Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member over levered monkey shares his path from being in the Navy to eventually breaking into real estate investment banking, how he was able to land multiple internships throughout undergrad, what hurt him in the interview process, and how much he's making now. Enjoy. Over levered monkey, thank you so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thanks for having me, Patrick. So it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a quick overview of your background and kind of what you're up to now. Sure. So uh, after high school, I joined the Navy. I was an electronic warfare technician for the aircrafts, and I did that for four years and got out, started working in pharmaceuticals while I attended undergrad and was fortunate enough to score a private equity internship my sophomore year and since then did... Uh, four more finance-related internships, and just recently started uh, my full-time position in real estate investment banking. Great. And can you tell me, so are you having gone to the Navy, are you a little bit older for a typical undergrad? Yes, I would definitely say so. I went to a semi-target traditional school down here in Texas, and, uh, you know, I was probably four to five years older than most of the people in my class, and four to five years older than your typical analyst coming out of undergrad. Great. So, um, how did, let's, let's start with that kind of first internship in terms of, you said you landed a private equity internship. How did you kind of go about doing that? What was the, what do you think was the key there? And, um, if any tips you can give to the listeners on kind of that whole process, because obviously internships are critical, right? Just getting something on your resume when you're either a freshman, right. sophomore, be great to give some advice. Right. Sure. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing that helped me with all of that is, I mean, at the time I just hadn't even finished my first finance class yet, but I had started applying to internships right away uh, through the course of the semester. And I think the biggest thing that helped me out there was just having a good resume already teed up from my previous experience. And then, you know, it was a quick phone call and then I went in for a Super day, if you will, is a small private equity shop here, and I was just personable and read up enough of what I needed to know on leverage buyouts, and uh, the rest was pretty much history after that. And do you feel like and, uh, being older helped you? I do. Um, they were very curious in my background and my experiences, um, and because you know the other people I was interviewing with were uh, just traditional students straight out of high school, and I think right. having a little bit more inside and having been thrown to the fire and flames and uh, different experiences kind of gave me a unique edge that uh, not everyone else had. 
And do you think that, I mean, did you have specific finance experience on your resume or was it mostly just Navy stuff? Um, it was mostly just Navy stuff with, yeah. uh, you know, some more, um, project management related stuff in my uh, other roles. Very cool. So tell me a little bit about your path of why the Navy, why, um, what was your thought process going there? Um, and then kind of how you ended up doing some phar- pharmaceutical stuff and then, yeah, what kind of got you interested in finance and tell me a little bit about that thought process. Sure. So, I mean, coming out of high school, I didn't really have a game plan. So I figured joining the Navy would be a good use of my time while I didn't really uh, have any kind of direction. And um, about halfway through, you know, my second deployment, I realized that uh, I didn't want to make a career out of the military and I wanted to go to school for something. And um, so I got out and started doing uh, medical device repair, which was similar to what I did in the Navy, just in a different industry, if you will. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I was a firm of about 500 people in pharma, and we were acquired at a $20 billion valuation. And wow. that was astonishing to me that, you know, my small firm where I knew half the MP, uh, employees by a first name basis, we were valued at something so astronomical. And I think that kind of sparked my interest in finance and I had just gotten into business school during that time and mm-hmm. um, you know started focusing on finance as my uh, major and you know shortly after that I was able to score that private equity internship and and you never looked back you know, that's great right. <laughs> very cool okay so you you had that internship was it did you actually learn anything at the inter- internship or was it more so like just you were in a su- support position Right. Um, I actually learned a lot during that position. I came in at a unique time where the firm had just entered two new deals. And so I got to take those from uh, start to finish. And, you know, while I wasn't doing a lot of super technical uh, financial analysis, I was uh, supporting the team and all the stuff that they needed done. And, you know, I did uh, play a meaningful part in building the marketing materials for the investors, like uh, synthesizing a SIM and, you know, kind of tracking some certain metrics on the portfolio companies that we already did have. And I learned how to navigate my way around Excel and PowerPoint to a pretty, pretty good extent for, you know, especially a sophomore in college. So then, um, so, okay, so you were doing that and then um, it sounds like it went pretty well. And then, this is something you thought, hey, I want to do this long term, so I need to get to banking first, or what was the thought process um, in terms of what, what was next? So that was pretty early on in your undergrad career. Right. Um, you know, during that time, I knew that I wanted to work on the buy side because I think I do have more of that in investor mindset, and mm-hmm. uh, I liked having feeling like I had skin in the game in these companies that I was uh, working with. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted to end up there eventually. But, you know, towards the end of my private equity internship, I realized that, you know, you kind of need the repetitions in before you can, you know, be an effective person on the buy side. So that's when I started focusing my sites more towards the sell side. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just started focusing on that. Uh, towards you know the end of my undergrad career and it sounds like you started doing a little bit more real estate oriented stuff is that is that fair yes that's that's fair to say uh you know some of the other stuff i did after was healthcare financial consulting Mm -hmm. and a little bit of uh, portfolio analytics and then my final semester 
Uh, I was working on in real estate private equity as well as uh, doing some loan portfolio analytics and actually was, you know, down to the wire and secured my full-time offer just days after graduating. Okay, so you you didn't get a return offer. Were these places that you were interning, they just didn't typically offer return offers or was it something where like some you feel like either just it wasn't right fit or it didn't work out over the summer? It was a mix of the two. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my buy side real estate position, they just didn't have a position at the time. And, uh, you know, some of the other stuff, I, it just wasn't where my heart was. You know, the financial healthcare consulting was uh, fun and I learned a lot, but it was uh, more of a transaction advisory services role. And mm-hmm. that's not what uh, I was looking for. And I think the firm and I kind of agreed that we would part ways after the summer. Okay. And then specifically, you kind of did a little more, started doing a little more real estate stuff. Um, can you talk to me about that and kind of what led you to real estate? Sure. So, I mean, I was always interested in real estate, uh, even before I started um, my undergrad, but I also didn't want to pigeon my, pigeonhole myself into it because you know, I realized that it's something that you could easily you know, get into and then you don't really have very many options after that, especially if there's you know, a market downturn or you just find out that this wasn't what you liked. So, uh, instead of specifically majoring in real estate finance, I went the general finance route, and mm-hmm. the real estate concentration so that I would, you know, optionality is key for me. So I wanted to keep that open. Okay. So you managed to kind of, you had this, these internships kind of all through undergrad, pretty strong resume. You were doing some interesting work. What, why do you think it was hard to land a full-time position were you interviewing for full-time positions kind of earlier in the process i assume it wasn't something where you just like waited last second right so um right yeah wh- i spent you know my junior and senior year interviewing a lot and when it came down to my senior year and looking for these full-time positions you know i think my resume just needed more guidance uh, it was kind of seemed uh, very scattered like i didn't know what i wanted to do it was like, hey you, this guy's got you had health care, Navy, healthcare, PE, yeah. Yeah, you had healthcare, PE, kind of general finance, and you had some real estate. So it was a little bit, yeah, a little scattered. Okay, I can see that argument. So what did you do to kind of tighten it up? Sure. So, I mean, I did the resume review service through Wall Street Oasis, and I think that helped a lot because, you know, but like, I, was able, I was able to... Yeah, I mean, like specifically, like, did you remove like some of the healthcare stuff, or did you yeah. just downplay it? You did. Okay, yeah, that's what I would. <laughs> I didn't know that beforehand, by the way, <laughs> before asking that question. <laughs> but so, okay, that's what I would have told you to do. Yeah, get rid of the healthcare, just to make it a little more streamlined. Okay, so you did that. That seemed to kind of help. You think you were you getting a higher hit rate after that? Yes, uh, it definitely helped, especially because I expanded on my private equity-related uh, experience and uh, chose to use the selected transaction experience. I think that people started to see, okay, well, this guy has you know some good experience and has stuff he can talk about and kind of has more direction in where he wants to go versus you know having five internships on a single piece of paper. Yeah, so you basically you made it look a little bit more. You you banker bankified it. You basically made sure you had transactions there. Selected transaction experience is a critical uh, critical section of the resume for all you listeners out there that don't know. If you have that, you've worked on deals, whether it's on the buy side or the sell side, it's 
it's a critical piece to show that you actually worked and you, you understand how a transaction works, how due diligence works. So that's, I think that was probably a huge win getting that in there for you. Um, so, right. yeah, so, so your hit rate went up, you started getting a little bit more interviews. Um, tell me about that struggle. Was it, you know, you getting the first round of interviews or you, do you feel like you're a natural interviewer? Did it take a lot of practice? How did you kind of end up landing this, this job finally? Was it like after a bunch of rejections? Did you have other offers? What was the, that like? Uh, there were there were a lot of rejections, and uh, I did have one offer, but it was just not what I was looking to do. It was in loan portfolio analytics, and mm-hmm. you know, I'd say that naturally I was a strong interviewer, but at the same time, you know, you're going to get your technical questions, and if you're not ready for those, uh, even missing one of those is almost an instant disqualifier. Were, were you not ready? Do you feel like you weren't ready early on? I felt like. I was ready until I wasn't, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> none of my interviews were the same. You know, I'd get some repeat questions, but I'd always get new questions that I just hadn't prepared for. And that kind of, you know, made me more resilient and a little bit more bulletproof each time that I uh, went to an interview and got to ask a technical that I had never even, you know, thought of having to answer. Absolutely. I feel like when I went through the whole process and I got rejected over and over and over again coming out undergrad, um, it was in the recession. It was a really tough time. But I can tell you, you know, there's a reason that on interview 20 and 20 to 30, I was significantly better than interview one through five, one through 10, not even close by comparison in terms of just being more smooth about telling your story, you know, um, specifically, you know, having the right experiences to pull upon based on your, you know, undergrad experiences, your internships, knowing kind of what to focus on. Um, I think that's, it's a skill, right? It's a, interviewing is a skill in and of itself. That's, that's needs to be honed if you want to um, end up in a good seat, but okay. So it sounds like it worked out for you. Um, you ended up, um, at this, at this great job. Are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, I'm loving it. You know, it's not, uh, as bad as some of the hours you hear about in the, uh, bulge bracket side of, uh, investment banking, but mm-hmm. it's, pretty comparable but you know i enjoy being there every minute of every day and you know as long as i stay focused and have you know the goal in mind uh, i think that it's a place i'll be for a long time can you give me a little bit of a background in terms of like what you do day to day there um because i think real estate investment banking is sometimes a misnomer just in terms of like what's what types of transactions you're looking at and who you're representing and stuff like that it'd be great to just get a little bit of a backdrop on that Sure. So we represent clients with uh, portfolios of real estate, um, and it's on the bigger side of things. So, you know, on the smaller end, we might look at a $30 million deal, but on the other side of things, it might be a portfolio of real estate worth over a billion dollars from different types of institutions that own them. And so we uh, position those for sale. And, you know, on a day-to-day basis, I spend the eight to five-ish part of my day uh, answering client questions and managing the uh, different stages of the transaction and, of course, the uh, endless meetings. And then uh, kind of after the traditional work day is over is when uh, I move into the training portion of my day because uh, I'm still in the first, in the second month, actually, and we do uh, a lot of robust training that's project-based and the only time you really get to make any leeway on those are after, you know, your clients are done asking questions. 
Right. Okay. That's fair. And then specifically, do you mind sharing pay um, or a range of pay that you uh, um, are getting in terms of base and expected bonus? Sure. So, I mean, the range of base pay is between 55 and 65. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have different uh, types of bonuses. One's more of a objective, like are you billing a certain amount of hours? And then the other bonus is much more subjective from the uh, managing directors, and that comes at the end of the year, and that can, you know, be between a range of fifteen percent to forty-five percent of your base salary. Got it. And then when you say billable hours, it sounds almost more like a consulting firm, because so like you're you're looked at as almost like are they are what's the utilization of of your hours? Is that kind of is that fair? Yeah, I'd say that's fair to say. We're kind of a interesting uh, dynamic as far as the team goes i technically work for the financial consulting group but mm -hmm. we get slotted if you will to uh mds for certain transactions but right. um it's fair to say that while i'm part of the consulting group i am actually more wholly part of the uh, mds group of uh, this specific type of real estate asset class i work on mm -hmm. so um, <clears throat> it's kind of just a have a little bit of uh, internal control as far as, okay, well, what are our analysts doing from day to day? How are we uh, justifying charging the client for X amount of uh, our transaction fee? And it's just a little bit easier to, you know, uh, justify what we're doing. Sure. If no, the client fine. ever has a question about it. Okay. So, you know, you had kind of a, an interesting background because, you know, you, you're a little bit older for undergrad given the Navy experience and you kind of came came into this a little bit later and you had a lot of varying internship experience. Is there any sort of takeaways you'd, or advice you give to your younger selves or takeaways for the audience in terms of if they want to get into a similar type of role, what you would suggest? Sure. I mean, so I would say to stay open and apply to anything that sounds interesting to you and definitely be brushed up on your technicals and then, you know, try and get to the point where you can hit the ground running whenever you do get that full-time offer. I took multiple, multiple workshop classes on uh, financial modeling, uh, real estate and non-real estate, as well as doing uh, a couple of case competitions to try and just simulate being able to be a, a full-time analyst from day one. And I think that's helped me a lot in reducing the learning curve that so many of us hit you know, that with that full-time offer. For sure, man. No, I appreciate it. I think that's tough. I think for me, you know, I came from a liberal arts background. When I first started as an analyst in investment banking, it was like a drinking from a fire hose. Literally, I was, the learn, learning curve was super steep. I wish I had done some more training before I got in because I was, you know, <laughs> sitting alongside of people who went to, you know, graduated with a finance degree from Penn. And there I was with an economics degree from Williams College, not knowing what I was doing. <laughs> And people were like, you're yeah. going to, my associate was like, you're going to run this model. Okay. And I'm like, okay. Like I had no clue what he was talking about. So, um, I think it's tough. I think, you know, it's important to, to, you know, enjoy your time in college, but also, you know, potentially if you can do a little prep coming in, it can, it can ease some of that pain. Oh yeah. It pays dividends on the back end. You know, it can be the difference between staying till 3am every night and being able to leave at midnight. You know? Yeah. What are your hours? Um, my hours are typically from around 8 a.m. to between 11 and 1 a.m. So it all really just depends on 
what's going on. It's pretty busy. It's pretty well. busy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty busy. Is that typical for your but, group? And, and um, is it is it something where you're kind of doing longer hours than the typical analyst? Or do you feel like you're, um, you're putting in more hours? I think right now I'm putting in more hours, but that's just because, as I said, you know, the first part of uh, getting started is uh, doing the training stuff. But while mm-hmm. at the same time I'm doing training, I'm also supporting uh, the MDs and uh, helping out with clients and transactions and what have you. So my day is probably a little bit longer because I'm training uh, in the evenings, but uh, it's also a kind of a lull period. So probably as soon as I finish my training, we'll ramp up and I'll be working on projects uh in the late hours. Cool, man. Well, it's good to hear things worked out for you. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.